Hello and welcome to Plot Trust. This is another edition of Errata, not Erotica. <laughs> so let's talk about video games because when Lane and I are not reading books, we also sometimes play video games. So I, I personally would not classify myself as a gamer. I don't know. I'm on the fence. I spent, um, I worked my college job that like paid my bills in college was at GameStop. Yeah. And I definitely stay up on video games, but I actually play video games the way I like sports. Mm -hmm. Um, and this is a lot more common to talk about women's sports. Like I like what I like and I like it a lot. Yeah. So I know the Yankees, like the back of my hand. I love the Final Fantasy series and a couple of other RPGs I played, but I don't have a lot of breadth of experience. I don't yeah. play a lot of games, but I do play games very frequently. But yeah, so we want to talk about like the way romance exists in other mediums. And like, I don't know. And we're trying to go for things. This is more like the romance adjacent yeah. stuff we do um, because I would... I, I don't know that I've ever played a video game that was explicitly romance. Yeah, I never have. I've never played a specific, like, this is a romance video game. I never exactly. played a, yeah. what do they call it, a visual novel. But, or even, like, I don't know. I don't know what exists. Yeah, I'm, so I'm I don't not know. sure what's out there. But I, we're talking about, like, RPGs, action RPGs, action games, shooters that have romance subplots. Yeah, they have romance subplots. They have relationship subplots. And and by relationship, we don't even necessarily mean romantic. There could be like a friend relationship. No, we mean romantic. And what I mean, that's what we're going to talk about here. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? Like, sure, video games are capable of telling complex stories. We're talking about romance. That's what we do. <laughs> we're going to talk about the romance one. So, Meg, um, what do you look for in a video game romance? I'm going to be completely honest. What I look for is whatever Bioware has made. Um, I love their stuff. It's so good. It's so immersive. It feels really real. It feels like you have to work for it. And then when you get it, you're like, yeah, that was worth it. So for our listeners who don't game, what games are you talking about that Bioware's made? So specifically, I'm talking about the Dragon Age series and mm -hmm. the Mass Effect series. So... Yeah, for in Dragon Age. So Dragon Age is a um, fantasy RPG. Uh, so Western fantasy. RPG. Yes, uh, yeah, uh, Western RPG. So Bioware is a, a Western company. It's mm -hmm. based in Canada and the U.S. And uh, they're, what I think they do really well is the dialogue. And what I love about their games it, are the choices that you get. So their games are sort of like choose your own adventure. So your dialogue choices and the choices you make when you're playing in a quest are going to determine what happens in the outcome. So yes, the story is going to be, so in Dragon Age Origins, for example, it's very traditional Western fantasy in that there are some evil ogres or whatever coming from underground. You've got to stop them. You've got to go rally the elves and the dwarves and stop the civil war in your country so that you can all unite and fight against the dark spawn. So I think the thing that needs to be articulated here is it's a, like when you're picturing a choose your own adventure book, 
it's not like you're given two dialogue options and dialogue option one takes you down a certain path and dialogue option two takes you down another. It's that over the course of the game in the aggregate, the different dialogue options you select sort of shape your character. Mm -hmm. And then there's a formula on the back end that says, based on the choices you made throughout gameplay, these are the options available to you in the end or down certain lines. So it's not quite as like binary as choose your own adventure books. Yeah, no, it's not. And, and it's it's actually, there's, there's a single path. So like I said, it's very traditional Western fantasy in that mm. you're rallying the earth, the world or your country mm-hmm. to fight against these evil dark spawn. And then by the end of the, the game, you have defeated them. So like, mm-hmm. there's not a choice at the end where, Oh, I'm going to join the dark spawn or, you know, I'm going to let the country burn and like move somewhere else. Like that doesn't I mean, there sometimes sort of is right, but, mm, but not, um, mm-hmm. So it's more how it's more how the relationships you make in the game are going to determine who stays with you, who is going to fight on your side at the end, Mm -hmm. who's going to be the king, who's going to be the queen. So it's like they're major, they're major plot elements, but the actual plot stays the same. Yes. And you're also designing your own character in those games. Uh Uh-huh. Which is a big thing for me. So I personally am one of those women who Again, maybe this is a double standard, but I personally just have no interest in playing as a dude. I just have no interest in playing a game where I have to be a man making man choices. And I know that sounds like really stupid. And again, maybe I am a a misogynist, you know, whatever. I don't think you're a misogynist. (laughs) (laughs) I know, but I'm just saying I, I sound like one of those dude gamers who's like, I don't want to play as a woman. You know, but I think you're seeking something that doesn't exist in media very often. I think that's the thing, too. Yeah, that's very true. Um, And it's not like I'm going to go out and just play a game because there's a woman in it. Right. Like, it's got to be a good game, but you don't feel like you've been represented. So and you're sort of disinterested in continuing to perpetuate the lack of representation. Exactly. And I think that's different than a dude saying, like, I don't feel interested in seeing a woman's story. You've clearly read and seen enough men's story to know. So in in these Bioware games, you get to design your own character and then they they the dialogue that they have with you reflects that you are a woman, which is pretty cool. So, for example, in Dragon Age, so I'm replaying Dragon Age right now. I did realize it's probably been about 10 years since I played it. So I was like, oh, this definitely means I forgot a lot of what happened in this game. So it's perfect. And um, this is not because during quarantine, Meg and I have just been talking about what to do with our time and talking about video games a lot. <laughs> no, it has nothing to do with this. <laughs> nothing at all. <laughs> nothing at all. Uh, so uh, it's, I'm thinking about it more because I'm, I'm playing through it. But yeah, the dialogue choices will be like, oh, oh, you're a woman and a gray warden. That's unusual. And I'll talk about that. I don't know. It's, it's interesting. It's really fun. Um, you know, you and you do get to form relationships, not just romantic relationships, although I will talk about my choice, which if you've been listening to the podcast, you will immediately see why I made this choice. Um, but, you know, I make I'm very close friends with one of the women in my party as well. Not so close with some of the others. 
the evil witch who's going to turn against you in the end. Yeah, her. I'm not very close friends with her. <laughs> Plus, I was, like, trying to be nice to her, but no matter what I say, she's, like, such a bitch. <laughs> like, damn, Morgan, you are a biatch. Mm-hmm. So my honey and I were talking about her, actually, just a second ago. His name is Alistair. He is. What were you doing before we recorded tonight, Meg? <laughs> I wasn't. I mean, right before we recorded, I put my child to bed. But before that, I was playing drag. <laughs> and Alistair and I were talking. So my the guy I choose to romance the first time and who I am choosing the second time as well, because he's definitely the best choice. He's named Alistair. So what's so great about him? Let's think about this in terms of romance tropes as well. So first of all, he's a bastard. He's the king's bastard. So we've got bastard nobleman. Second, he was raised by the clergy, so he's a virgin. He's a virgin bastard nobleman's son. And third, he's like super socially awkward and like extremely cute. So he gave me this little rose and he was all like, oh, I thought of you. Is it too forward of me to give you this rose? And I was like, no, thanks, Alistair, for my rose. <laughs> <laughs> and mm-hmm. he's not. I mean, he's very strong as well and can carry around a lot of armor. Mm-hmm. I don't he's know. He's the tank to your DPS. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, man. But I don't know. It's, it, I think it also, especially with these Bioware games, whoever you are, you're like the head of the party. So, like, not only that, He's also, like, deferring to me all the time. So I'm like, go do that. And he's like, yes. What he actually, what his response is, is your, de- your desire is my command. Which is very Princess Bride. <laughs> yes. I mean, he doesn't say your command is my desire. He switches it around. And I'm like, like, I go to talk to him and he's like, your desire is my command. And I'm like, okay, go punch that guy. And he does it. <laughs> it's like the perfect game for me so I don't know that's that's what I have to say about that I mean Alistair for me is the obvious and only choice in Dragon Age Origin mm-hmm. so I also selected him but I will totally admit it's because I play video games like trying for the perfect playthrough Mm-hmm. And so I do kind of spoil myself just enough to know what that means I want. So I played Dragon Age knowing I wanted to be queen. <laughs> <laughs> so like I do think Alistair was the best choice. and I enjoyed romancing him and I enjoyed playing him. But I will totally admit that I played him because I wanted to be the queen. <laughs> there, so the Mass Effect trilogy, people will 100% judge my choices, but I chose to stay faithful to my love from the first game. I didn't romance anyone in the second game, and then I went back to him in the third game. Because I wanted to romance his pants off. And while you his pants were on, you did check out his butt, and we'll get there. That was in the third game. I know, we'll get there. Yeah. So I was very tempted to romance someone in the second game, but I didn't, and I think it's like partially because of all the romance novels that I read, and like these ideals that were like, oh, stay faithful to your one true love forever. Even though a seven he, year gap is nothing. Yeah, and in this one there was like a two year gap. Oh my so god. I was like I was like two years, that's nothing. And for for you as Shepherd, FemShep, for you as Shepherd, you don't even know that it's been two years because you got died, you got died. 
you you died and then were re- resurrected and so like no time has passed of course for Caden it's been two years that he thought you were dead Except for Caden yeah no I know so and he didn't date anyone in the meantime FYI but he did say he needed more time before we could be together I will tell you that I was playing this game obsessively he sent me that note at three in the morning my time and I cried and then I went to bed wait he sent you the note saying I need more time before we can be together yeah like, I got an email message on my ship, on the Normandy. <laughs> I was checking my messages, and I got a message from Caden that said, like, it was so amazing to see you. I There were so many emotions that I'm feeling. I can't be with you right now, but maybe later, basically, was what the message said. And, yeah, I started to cry. I was like, no, Caden. <laughs> I don't blame you. Yeah. Oh, that's awful. Okay, like so but clearly you end up with Caden in the end, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, and I ended up with him at the end. For sure. And he was great. I mean, he was, I, I personally liked him quite a bit. So this is what he said. Listen, Shepard, I'm sorry for what I said. I spent two years pulling myself back together after you went down with the Normandy. Took me a long time to get over my guilt for surviving and move on. I'd finally let my friends talk me into going out for drinks with a doctor in the Citadel. Nothing serious, but trying to let myself have a life again, you know? Then I saw you, and everything pulled hard to port. You were standing in front of me, but you were with Cerberus. They're the evil guys. I guess I really don't know who either of us is anymore. Do you even remember that night before Elos? Oh, I remember very well, Caden. That night meant everything to me. Maybe it meant just as much to you, but a lot has changed in the last two years and I just can't put it aside. But please be careful. I've watched too many people close to me die. I couldn't bear it if I lost you again. If you're still the woman I remember, I know you'll find a way to stop these collector attacks, but Cerberus is too dangerous to be trusted. Watch yourself. When things settle down a little, dot, 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 maybe, dot, 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 I don't know. Just take care. Caden, that was a note I got. I cried. That's a lot at three in the morning when you've been gaming at that point for likely six plus straight hours. Probably a long time, yes. <laughs> yeah. No, been there. Been mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. And of course, like, I'm reading this on my desktop in my cabin. What's right next to my desktop? A picture of Caden. FYI. Did you set that up or is it like? No, that's your whoever you romance in the first one, you get that picture of them. That's fucked up. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's real fucked up. <laughs> I so know. when do you check out his butt? In game three, when we meet again. We but meet again. That when you get the letter? No, that's in game two. Because that's the thing. It's game two. You meet him, and I'm like, oh, my God, it's Caden. He's going to come back and join my crew. And then he's like, I got to get out of here, basically. It's like, look, Bioware... Goes for the jugular when it comes to emotions. Lane is like freaking out here. Oh my god! So he's not even in game two as like an option. Mm-mm. He's, he's not even no an one. option. But he, you get just a letter from him in the middle of the game. He's not even in. So you play a mission, and on that mission you meet him. So you see him on Horizon, and you're like so excited to see him. You go to like give him a hug, and he's like, whoa. You're with the enemies because you're with this mercenary group. They're the ones who brought you back to life. So kind of feel like you have to. Right. And he, he basically is like, this is fucked up. I don't know what to do. I got to go. 
Because first he looks all excited to see you and he's about to hug you and then he like backs off and leaves. And then you get that message. That is some shit. Uh-huh. I mean, this is some intense shit, you know? Wow. Yeah. I was very emotionally invested in our relationship. Check out Caden's butt and do. He's got like hips that like he looks like an act he looks like he has action figure hips like the v-cut mm-hmm. which are inappropriately known as cum gutters and when i heard that it broke my brain and i managed to forget that that that, that exists and then you sometimes bring it up <laughs> lane it gets me every time because it's stuck in there forever and other people should have to undergo the suffering all right, so I will finally, I'll talk about one other game, um, and that's actually Mass Effect Andromeda. So this was the most recent entry in the Mass Effect franchise, and it had huge hype, and people were very disappointed in it, which I can I can understand why, because it, was, it just wasn't as good as the first trilogy. Like, the first trilogy was amazing. It was a really amazing, and this next one, story just wasn't as good, Um that said, I feel like it's better than most other video games out there for relationship building. And I actually deviated from my normal Paragon behavior and Mass Effect Andromeda. And I went 100% for like the mafia boss dude. Uh-huh. I loved him. He was, so not only was he a mafia boss, he also was pretending to be someone else. So when I met him, he had a cover identity. So like, how could I know what he really was like? Of course, I figured it out pretty quickly. And again, I don't read spoilers, so I didn't know it was him. But I was like, I'm pretty sure that it's him. And uh, after we got together, my crew, so your crew is like very supportive usually of your choices. They were like totally not supportive. They were like, okay are you sure you want to go with Reyes? Because he's probably going to backstab you, you know, be real careful. Uh, and I still did. And then I was basically, they called me the queen of Kadara. I was like the queen of the outlaw planet. And it was so much fun. <laughs> I really liked it. I'm just throwing it out there as a, I don't know, because I'm, if they ever do make a Mass, and, Mass Effect Andromeda 2, which they probably won't because it just wasn't popular enough. And these games have a huge production value um, because the voice acting is amazing. And there are so many different answers that they have to pay a lot of, a lot of people to do these really great voice acting, right? So right. if they don't think they're going to get a return on investment, they're not going to make another game, uh, which makes sense. But it's a little disappointing because I just don't know what my future is with Reyes. I'm never going to find out now. You're never gonna know. So, but Lane does not play the same way I do. No, so I can like a game that has like the character creator, and then you go through and you're answering questions that determine your own morality and the outcome of the game and who you end up with. But that's not actually what I typically gravitate toward. Mm-hmm. And I I don't play like visual novels. I play traditional run of the mill video games where you're you know, building an inventory and maximizing your skill sets and like, yeah. you know, um, if there's a level up system sort of thing, combat generated. But I typically like the stories where 
you're given a preset character to play and you're kind of going through the motions to kind of get the next chapter of the story. Mm-hmm. There isn't much, if any, ability to control who ends up with who from a romance standpoint beyond potentially getting a couple of extra scenes if you do certain side quests. And so my favorite video game romance ever is Titus and Yuna from Final Fantasy X. Mm-hmm. So if you played this at all, Meg, because I've dabbled in Mass Effect and Dragon Age, so no. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, no, I, I haven't. I have I have seen images, okay. but I've never played so, it. And and I, part of the thing is, too, is like I'll, I mostly, like I said, I play games that Julian buys, my husband, because he he's the one who invests in it. I'm not a huge gamer, but if he buys it, then I'll, I might play it. He's mm-hmm. not, he can't handle RPGs like traditional RPGs because he hates like inventories and stuff like that. Oh my so, God. I'm totally, yeah. this is beyond the scope of this podcast, but I'm a total min maxer. So oh, yeah, that's like my least favorite part too. So, Oh, that's what I live for. So, but I'm definitely only going to focus on the romance of three different games. So the first, um, Final Fantasy X, Titus and Yuna, he is Titus. It's Titus is apparently the way you're supposed to pronounce it, but I think that sounds stupid. So Titus is a bro jock playboy with daddy issues <laughs> who gets sucked into a space-time void uh-huh. and ends up like stuck in this place and time he is unfamiliar with. And he teams up with a ragtag group of people who are going to save the world, led by a very um, how do I describe her? She is a self-sacrificing, like white mage summoner type. Mm-hmm. Literally, exactly a white mage summoner type. And so, over the course, when he gets you're in his shoes. So it's a totally traditional video game trope where you're playing as a fish out of water who needs to learn the ropes and you learn them with that person. Mm -hmm. Um, But so you go on this journey with her and her crew. And as you progress, you figure out that the reason when you were transported through space and time, you ended up with her is because your fathers have some connection. How romance novel is this? And then she finds out uh, I just want to put this out there. All the games I'm talking about are five to 20 years old. So spoilers abound and I don't care. Yeah. Um, so Yuna is going on this quest to defeat this evil called Sin. It's this giant monster that kills everyone. And you find out her father defeated t- Sin 10 years ago with the help of Titus's father. Oh, of course. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And that's why Titus was brought to this world because this is where his father still is. Spoiler alert. What they think happens is that every 10 years, the summoner sacrifices themselves to defeat Sin, and then 10 years later, Sin shows up again. But what really happens is the summoner sacrifices one of her guardians who's been traveling with her. The summoner kills Sin, but then that guardian gets reborn as Sin. Ooh. And so basically, their whole religion is a lie. Ooh. So is it his... So Titus' dad is Sin, and Yuna's dad is dead. And on top of that, turns out Titus and his dad aren't even real people. A thousand years ago, society completely crumbled, 
and a couple of mages to like preserve their memories went into an eternal magical slumber where they just constantly dreamt of their old lives. And so based on some weird ass magic, he and his dad were like made real. Okay. Sounds legit. You know, it's just all fine. But so Yuna makes the decision that while she would have died, that's the badass summoner white, white mage chick. While she would have happily died to save the world, even if only for 10 years, she's not going to sacrifice someone else she loves. And they're going to find a way to defeat it for good. And Titus is totally on board. But what Titus has found out is that killing sin forever will also call, like kill all these things that have been keeping his universe alive. Mm-hmm. So killing sin will kill him. And he but tells he's down with it. What? But he does it. But he does it. And so the very end of the game is him standing on their airship because like fantasy video game airship and she finally tells everyone like i'm not real killing this imaginary creature kills everything that was supporting it which kills me yuna's sobbing on the airship and runs toward him to hug him but at this point he started fading so she falls through his body face plants on the ground and starts sobbing my God, Lane. And the game ends with him floating in a black abyss. So this is your favorite video game romance? Yes. But and then there's a like... together forever. Okay, good. Okay, good. Okay. Because I was going to say, that sounds a little too angsty for me. <laughs> the second game is the game isn't as good, but you get the happily ever after. So yeah, you got to play that shit. But I just love the like, totally tropey, like, come on, bro jock playboy who's like signing autographs for his female fans in their tiny skirts and then he goes and he falls in love with this very traditional like pure woman who's going to sacrifice herself for the world but turns out he has to sacrifice himself and then he does so actually lane it sounds to me like this is your devil in winter it might be but he's less problematic <laughs> like it's angsty that's just it i think your problematic veers toward like He's a dick, but, like, a sexy dick. Yeah. And my problematic veers toward, like, angst factory. Fair. Which is just the way it is. But so, that's my favorite. My second favorite video game romance is the Assassin's Creed 2 trilogy. Mm-hmm. And so, Sophia only shows up in the last game, and I can't remember right now if that's Brotherhood or Rebellion, but... Basically, the whole Assassin's Creed trilogy is Ezio going from, like, an 18-year-old devil-may-care playboy to this guy who's undergone so much trauma and so much, like, dead dad bullshit to become, like, the leader of this assassin's tribe. And while he's in the Ottoman Empire searching for some assassin shit, he meets this woman named Sophia, who's a bookseller who helps him solve puzzles, and then she gets caught up in his drama and rather than like pull a whole angst factory and like we can't be together goodbye he takes her with him yeah and I think it's great because like in this game he's in his 40s she's in her 30s they have stuff in common like they're both Italians in a foreign country they both have this interest in artifacts and history even if it's from a different perspective where she's this very traditional bookseller and he's part of this like mythology of assassins But it's like this very slow burn, you know, he helps her out in a port and then she helps him translate some things and they're definitely friends first. Mm -hmm. And especially with both characters coming from such a mature place, I really like playing through that arc. 
Yeah. Um, I don't have the same aversion to playing male characters you do. I think because I don't like spoiling myself. Uh-huh. But I'm also not going to put 100 hours into a video game without knowing I'm getting the best possible ending. Yeah. So playing yeah. through pre-constructed narratives means I can just play the game without worrying that I'm not going to get the ending I wanted. If that makes sense? Yeah. yeah. Like, I want I want the right ending without worrying that something I'm going to do mid-game is going to screw it up. Yeah. I will yeah, say one exception to that, and this is my real problematic fave. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Geralt and Yennefer in The Witcher 3. Uh-huh, this is The Witcher, yeah. Yeah. So I recognize that The Witcher is very exploitative of women, and I recognize that Geralt is, like, the he-man whatever. I don't care. I love Geralt and Yennefer. I will say for those of you who have watched the most recent Netflix Witcher, it does not do Jennifer justice. <laughs> Ruins her character, in my opinion. But what I love about Geralt and Jennifer is they get stuck together through magic. Mm-hmm. And even though their relationship is very tumultuous, they work together to help raise this kid that Geralt gets stuck with. Mm-hmm. But then at the end of it all and saving her and working together and loving her like parents, they decide they need to figure out whether or not their feelings are real. Mm -hmm. And if you go with the ending where through your choices, you basically decide that they are. Mm -hmm. I think it's a very satisfying commentary on... She basically shows up at the winery he inherits through the game. Don't ask. It's complicated. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I am here to read romance novels and lay on your couch. And it's just very like, you're right. You save the world. You get your kid out of danger. And like, now there's this very like satisfying domesticity. Yeah. That feels very earned. And the other thing I really like about The Witcher is so it's a binary choice between two women. Yeah. And if you try to trick the game and pick both, Mm -hmm. they fake you into inviting you to a threesome and then dump you. Perfect. So if you try to romance both, you get none of them. Oh my god, that's the part. That's that's a good ending. And like, while I wish it involved less lingerie, I do like that the answer to trying to two time the women is they band up as friends. Yeah. Tell each other and then break your heart. Yeah. Clearly, that's not the way I play. <laughs> but I really enjoy that as a concept. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't know. I I like playing games that I don't know how they're going to end. I mean, I have I know that there's going to be a triumphant ending where you kick everyone's butt. But what I like you not knowing the stuff again. in the middle, you know. This is one ridiculous The Witcher gets credit for the most ridiculous sex scene I've ever seen in a video game. Yeah. Wait, there's is this the one that happened at the very beginning? Cuz no. I think I may have seen that one. Okay, good. Tell me about the ridiculous one. It's Referred to in passing in the very beginning that once upon a time, Geralt and Yennefer had sex on a unicorn. Wait. A stuffed unicorn that Jennifer had taxidermied. And then in, like, almost the end of the game, well, that's not true, probably mid-game, they have sex on the taxidermy unicorn again. Oh, my God, Lane, that is crazy. 
and you see it like it's depicted oh my god God. lane (laughs) i can't believe you take this relationship seriously (laughs) i totally do oh my god this is this is intense well that's okay that's the other thing with the mass with the bioware games probably gonna have one explicit scene with the person you choose to romance that's all you're gonna get they're like julia quinn romance novels so how explicit do you mean by explicit because like you know like rated r movie okay yeah so witcher 3 you get three sex scenes if you romance Yennefer Mm -hmm. I don't know how many if you romance Triss but I think it's one less but it's like they're like explicit though right yes so so the witcher is like Elizabeth Hoyt yeah and Bioware is like Julia Quinn but like some of them so one of the witcher sex scenes it's moaning interspersed with wild wolves hunting a person (laughs) Oh no! No, so it's it's 100% Elizabeth Hoyt. It totally is. Oh my god. Okay, we found. So like this is it. The first sex scene between Geralt and Yennefer is on a unicorn, on a taxidermy unicorn. The second is in a bed. It's normal. And the third is in a bed, but it's interspersed with wild wolves hunting a human. So it's it actually sounds quite Elizabeth Hoyt. We've got like got angst sex no the unicorn sex is not angsty no i know no no sorry angst sex is the wolf one oh they don't know what's going on so like yes it's angsty but they're not aware of it okay um and then there's like the normal one and then there's also the um utterly insane inventive location one so just for comparison final fantasy is like pg yeah and, like, it's kind of only PG because people die. Like, the yeah. romances are G. Yeah. Yeah. No, both Bioware and The Witcher would be rated mature. Yeah. Um, but more for violence. Assassin's Creed is also rated M, but I think yeah. that's more for, like, the gore and the, the blood. blood. Yeah, yeah. There are some sex scenes, but they are, like... Victoria Alexander. Yes. <laughs> oh, this like, is this is actually really helpful. That, I don't mean that as insulting. Like it's just not the no. point. Yeah. No, I was and like, this I, is actually like extremely helpful. I don't like the overall plot in Assassin's Creed. I really like the overall plot, but like the sex is not the point. Yeah. I don't even know if there's a sex scene with Sophia. I'm replaying the game now and I'll figure that out, but I don't think there is. I think it's yeah. a romance. And you only figure out that they've had sex when they have children. <laughs> so it's so it's Jane Austen. With gore. But but Ezio has had sex with other women on screen. So not Jane Austen. Interesting choice. But so while you're in like your Playboy phase in Italy before your dad and your brother get killed. You're seducing women, you're, like, making out with this niece of Amerigo Vespucci. Ezio's priority shift. Yeah. 
So, like, in the first game, he's still kind of a womanizer. Then by the second game, he sort of burnt out on loss. And then he meets Sophia and actually falls in love. Oh, that's nice. So, like, I think in the Assassin's Creed trilogy, at least from what I remember, like I said, I'm replaying it now. The women Ezio has sex with, he does not love. And then he falls in love with Sophia. But I, that's why it's hard to make it Jane Austen, because there is some explosion. Yeah. It's just not with yeah. romantic heroine. Just not with, yeah, yeah. yeah. I right. wanted to, like, pick your brain about romance and gaming overall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, just first off, like, what's your favorite romance in a video game? My favorite romance in a video game, this one's actually pretty typical, so it's not going to be a weird one. Um, in the Mass Effect trilogy, uh, you can, there are three games, uh, in the Mass Effect trilogy. In the Mass Effect trilogy, there, there are three games, and you can have a relationship with one of your crew members. In the interest of full disclosure, my husband worked on the last two Mass Effect games. Um, uh, in the first game, you have a crew member, and he's an ugly alien, and you can't go out with him. You go out with, There's like a hot dude that you can go out with. Um, and then there's a lady uh, who's a blue alien, but she's, she's not a lady because... There's only ladies in that. It's like a sexy blue alien race. Anyway, in the second game, somebody noticed that people in the first game were actually really attached to this ugly alien character. They were like, why do you like Garrus so much? And people were like, he's great. He's your bro. Like, he shoots with you. Um, And the character of Commander Shepard in the game has sort of, is torn between the, the poles of the Paragon and the Renegade. Do you do whatever it takes, do the ends justify the means, or do you not make those sacrifices? And one of the reasons that you end up becoming close with this particular character, and you're close with a lot of your teammates in the game, Mm -hmm. you become close with this character is because he's kind of operating in the same kind of like, am I Batman or not? You know what I mean? And so, and and in the second game, um, you meet up with this character again, um, and you have lost all of your companions. Everybody thought that you died. And like, he's the only one where you go back and meet him again. And you're like, hey, you're going to join back up. And he's like, I'll get my stuff. And you know, and it's like, awesome. Um, and in the second game, you can start a romance with him. And he's like, I, I'm not really into humans, but I guess we could try this. Like, you know, he's got legs that bend backwards like a dog. And he's, 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 I mean, like, he's, he's really, he's really quite sexy. Um, and then, like, and you have a relationship within the third game. And so, like, my favorite video game romance is Garrus Vicari, and I have a poster of him on my wall. It's not, like, pin or anything. But, like, you have a relationship with this character. You start out being his friend for an entire game. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not until the second game that, like, your relationship with him progresses to the point where, like, it sort of turns into a romantic thing where you're, like, you're the only one that I trust. You're the only one who, when I was like, I need you, he was like, awesome, it'll be like old times. Because And through the rest of that game, everyone else, you're, you're like trying to even put the team back together, and everyone's like, sorry, man, I moved on with my life. And he's like, yeah, all right. <laughs> you know? And, like, he, like, that. that's sort of, like, his character arc, and I think, I really like it. It feels like, and that's one of the things is, like, and one of the reasons people love the Mass Effect games is because you have relationships with the same characters that move through all three games, even if they're not sexy relationships. You have a friendship mm-hmm. that, that grows and changes based on the things that are happening to you. Um, yeah. That's why people so, are really emotionally invested in those games. Yeah. So this is actually a conversation I was having with Lane, because we were talking about how the romance tropes that we like in our books maybe inform the way we game or what we think about when we're gaming. Mm-hmm. So, for example, we both are really into, like, the 
the what I, when I, the the faithfulness thing in a romance you know where you're separated for seven years but you didn't you didn't date anyone else because there was no one else for you right yeah so when I was playing Mass Effect you couldn't romance Garrus in the first one you could in the second one I was very tempted but I was like no I'm gonna stay faithful to Caden <laughs> which I mean it was fine it, I'm not disappointed in my choice but I, I will so, say that I was I so disappointed and Caden was like. I forgive you for cheating on me. And I was like, Caden, we broke up. What is your problem, man? <laughs> like, I didn't cheat on you. We were on a break, Caden. <laughs> I died. Yeah, men no. yeah. didn't cheat on Caden. Caden knew she was faithful. He knew. Um, and I, no, mean, I, started, I, to... I started going out with Garrus. I saw Caden again. I was like, hey, Caden, what's up? Caden's like, you've changed. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I'm half circuitry. And he's like, I don't like that. And they left. And I was like, well, Garrus is still here. Hell. <laughs> like, <laughs> That yeah. was my thought. I went out with Caden. I was like, Caden's pretty nice. He's sort of like handsome in like a chin forehead kind of way. This is fine. And then I was like, Garrus wants to go shooting with me. He's a much better time. And like, he he hasn't been yearning for me for like three years. He's been my bro for like three years. He's right. the only one I can trust. Like, I like that. And I did consider it very hard. <laughs> he's like, he's like, he's ride or die, basically. Garrus is ride or die. <laughs> Well, but, it's I, but I did stay faithful. So Meg, it was because it was interesting, yeah. But when every time we talk about favorite video game romances, like Meg always talks about Mass Effect and Dragon Age and these ones where you have choices. Mm. And my favorite romances in video games are all pre-written plots. Like what? I love Titus and Unit in Final Fantasy X. I mm -hmm. love uh, Ezio and Sophia in Assassin's Creed uh, Rebellion and Brotherhood. I would also put... Geralt and Yennefer up there and I know technically that's a choice but it's a binary choice it's not like there's and it's a binary choice exclusively tied to the romance it's not like there are choices that also impact your character mm -hmm. so I think I've always missed sort of the richness of character development especially from the character I'm playing in those games that give you tons of options so it's mm -hmm. less about the romantic options for me and more about the fact that I don't feel like I'm immersed in the character that I am mm -hmm. Whereas Megs, you've said, I believe, that you have trouble getting immersed in those characters because you don't like playing dudes. Yeah, yeah. I definitely, if I have to play a game and I have to play a dude, I'm like not into it. I don't really like playing dudes either. Well, um, all three I mentioned are playing dudes. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I find honestly The Witcher 3 is just so ugly that I was just like, I can't do this. I thought ugly? I was gonna, yeah, you know, where you ogle people a lot. That game is oh, so, yeah. that game is like the male gaziest. I was like, man, don't make me don't make me look at, look at that. I was like, I was literally like male gazing someone and I was like pushing on my controller, like move the camera away, move the camera. I mean, it's female gazing too. Who gets out of that bathtub? Yeah, but that's, that's still male gazing though. Because <laughs> it's still breaking them down into little pieces, right? <laughs> okay. I like, I like games where you have relationships with people and it doesn't have to be necessarily a sexy town relationship, just having mm -hmm. friendships and that kind of stuff. Uh, even just like real basic dating sims, even, you know, Harlequins where she has a good friend. Do you know what I mean? Don't you like, I mean, sorry, that, that's, that's not a good way of phrasing that, but I like it when my female characters have female friends that they're not necessarily competing with, that aren't even like just there for the female character to complain to, you know what I mean? Yeah, like rich exterior lives. Yeah, exactly. Make a story feel more real. Yeah, and not more... even like not even like the friend is there for a spin-off novel. The friend's there because the person exists in a world and they have friends and they they're worthy. Honestly, 
if you don't have friends, how are you going to get into a relationship with somebody? Mm -hmm. We just read, we just read a book where we talked about that. Um, remember Lane, we were uh, undercover yeah. romance. Yes. I was so impressed with how, like, what priority and, and undercover romance is explicitly a romance novel, but the female friendships were given priority in the denouement, and I really liked that. I think that felt more authentic to me. As mm -hmm. I get older, I'm more interested in those types of things. I mean, mm -hmm. like there, there were, there were female friendships in Mass Effect that I felt very meaning, but that I felt were very meaningful to me. You know what I mean? Like, and like actually, and a lot of a lot of the games, a lot of games that I play, even when like it, it just it just makes things for, feel more meaningful that you exist in a world that's just not. In a way, it makes a relationship feel more safe, is that you know that your character, yourself, or whoever it is, if you're playing as somebody, you're reading about somebody, you know they're going to be fine. You know, if they've got somebody, they're not going to be, they're not going to be shattered by some dude, because who wants to be like that? That's not mm -hmm. romantic, when your well, guy is your be-all, end-all. And a lot of that's changing, I think, in media. I was having a completely unrelated conversation with one of my closest female friends. And we were talking about the fact that especially in television and movies, representation of female friendship has often seemed somewhat toxic. Yeah. Like, either they were drinking buddies or they were friends encouraging them to do bad things. And so, like, not only was finding a man the end-all be-all for the sake of, like, getting into a relationship, but it also freed them from the toxicity of being surrounded by their female friends. And I don't think that was necessarily true in media aimed at women. In media overall, I think that's... F female friendships have not been depicted super great over the years. And I think that's starting to evolve, especially in some romance novels we've read lately. I've seen mm -hmm. much better depictions of female friendships as helpful and supportive and seen them prioritized even sometimes above the relationship with the hero. Yeah. Or you also, you also see relationships with people who are, you know, the gay best friend who's not just the gay best friend, but is in fact mm -hmm. like a person who has their own stuff going on or, you know, <laughs> family members who are trans. Um, mm -hmm. I, um, I haven't been reading a ton of romance recently, so things might have changed in the past couple of years, but I definitely remember picking up a book by Courtney Milan, and I don't remember what it was called, but it was like, in the, it wasn't one of her historicals, it was one of the ones where she, she was like a computer company called like Crocodile or like Cyclone or something. And yes. uh, the, the female character was trans. It, well, it wasn't a thing, obviously, but I was mm -hmm. like, cool I like this and then I enjoyed it because it was a good romance and it was fun you know Courtney Milan's a very good writer mm 